Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a fun Sunday full of laughs and all kinds of good things, right? Where we hear about fire (laughs) and judgment and things that make us typically uncomfortable. And for good reason. Fire burns. Fire hurts. But fire does other things too. Fire purifies. Fire strengthens. It cleans away all of the impurities. In a lot of ways, fire is very, very good. Which is always kind of fun when we get these texts because... Whenever you read these texts, you think, "Uh uh-oh, here comes fire and brimstone preaching, right? And whenever I think of a fire and brimstone preacher, I I don't necessarily think of any real preacher, uh, but I remember the preacher from Pollyanna. Y'all seen that movie, Pollyanna? He gets in the pulpit and he begins, death comes unexpectedly. Be prepared because you will die someday. And then he walks off, and everyone's sitting there going, oh, great, that's what we came to hear, right? And usually when you hear somebody say, yeah, he's a fire and brimstone preacher, what does that usually mean? It means, I don't like it. It means, that's not very good. Because all he does is he makes you feel bad. It makes you feel bad. It makes you feel... Worse than when you walked in? Why do I want to go to that? But it has its place. It has its place. Fire and brimstone is in the Bible for good reason. Because, as Peter says, that the Lord had formed the heavens and the earth out of water and through water by the word of God, that by means of, by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished in the flood, right? But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. I don't know where it came from, but there is that saying that God destroyed the earth with water and he promised not to do it again, but he never said anything about fire, right? But he does. He says something about fire. Fire will come. In some ways now, fire does come. Fire comes in all kinds of judgment and wrath for present sin. We suffer in different ways. We suffer from bad judgment. We suffer from bad health. We suffer in ways that remind us that we are sinful. And all present suffering is a sign of the wrath that is to come on that last day. It's to remind us that we're not perfect. We're sinful. 
And on on the last day, there will be a fire that will burn all of sin away. And for us as Christians, that's a good thing. That is a very good thing. It will clean away all sin, all death, all sadness. And on the last day, there will be nothing left but joy and peace because of Christ. Yet still, we get a little uncomfortable when we hear things like the sheep and the goats. Because we hear that one day we will be judged. And we can't help but think about the things that we do. And that we'll be judged for the things that we do, right? Jesus says to the sheep, he says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick. Um, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Sounds like they're being judged for what they did, right? But really, what's happening here is there will be a judgment for what we do, not because that makes any difference in our salvation. We will be judged on what we do in response to faith. That the faithful do certain things, right? But it's not this, the attitude that the uh, Christians have when they do these things is, well, let me just mark that off in the ledger, did my good work for the day, and now I'll just go on to tomorrow and we'll check it off, off the list, check, 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 check. Everything's going along just fine. God is smiling on me, I'm doing what I got to do. No, what do they do? They say, Lord, when did... We see you hungry and feed you. When did we see you? (laughs) When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison? And come to you, and the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. That the first reaction of the Christian is not, Well, yeah, of course. I'm a good person. Well, yeah, of course I've done all I'm supposed to do. No, that is not the first reaction of a Christian. The first reaction of a Christian is, When did I do that again? It's not even something that is given that much thought because it just happens. You just do it. That the grace that has been given to you by God through faith flows out from you without a second thought. Without even a thought to say, is this a good work or not? It just happens. Like fruit from a tree, it just grows. And it's there. But notice this. 
There's a difference in the response between the sheep and the goats. The sheep go through the list. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or sick or in prison? When did we see you all these things? And the goats, the wicked, simply say, when did we see you like this and we didn't do something about it? It's very yada, yada, yada-ish, right? The sheep hear the word of Christ and they want to speak it back to him. The sheep hear the word of Christ that says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came to see me. And the Christian, the sheep, wants to say it all back to him because it sounds so great. Because the word of God is wonderful. And they can't help but just say it. Whereas the goats just say, yeah, 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 yeah. So what? When did we not do these things? Right? They're so full of self-righteousness that they don't even care about speaking Christ's words back to him, asking how it was that this is so. They speak back to him, "Uh, so what's your point? Why am I not a good person? Why don't I make the cut? Right? You can hear it in the tone of how these things are said. But something interesting needs to be said here. And I don't know if there's been a lot of this preached on recently, but there are certain characters in this parable. Right? There are four different characters in this parable, or sets of characters, right? There's the Son of Man, who is Christ. He is the one who comes to judge, right? Then there's the sheep that are on the right. Those are those who are blessed by his Father, who are given the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world. Then there are the goats on the left, who are cursed and go into fire. But then there's a fourth character here, or fourth set of characters that I don't know if anybody really talks about at length, But it's the brothers. It's the brothers. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Who are these brothers? Are they separate from the sheep and the goats? No. They're in the sheep. They're in the sheepfold. They're there. But they're distinct for a certain reason. And you may have heard that the brothers very generally are Christians, right? You might have heard this before. So that those who aspire to be sheep by faith would serve those who are saints, those who are in the church who they can feed and clothe and take care of when they need it, right? And this might cause some people to take a second glance at this. But anytime Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, anytime Jesus speaks of his brothers, he's speaking specifically of 
the twelve. Those twelve disciples that later on became the twelve apostles. That by extension, all who hold the apostolic office, the pastoral office, are his brothers in that he has given them his word to speak. He says to the apostles, whoever hears you, hears me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But in a very real way, his brothers in this text are the pastors who bring you his word. His word that says, repent and believe in Christ as your Savior. That a lot of this has to do with your response, your reaction to the message that is preached to you by any pastor. That says, repent of your sin. Turn away from your sin for the sake of Christ and live. And that your response to that would be, yes, thanks be to God. And not, who cares what time's the game on. Right? That this is about how you support the ministry and the man who holds the office to bring you the word of God. And thankfully, we have a lot of good people here who do just that. I won't name names, right? That'll be Christ's job on the last day to give the accolades where it's due. And it's interesting because when you think of it that way, When you think of it in terms of, okay, to be a sheep, you hear the word of God and you say, amen, thanks be to God. What can I do now? How can I help? Not out of of obligation, but out of joy. To say, thanks be to God. He has done such great things for me. I know that whatever I would do would just be a drop in the bucket, but it's something. And he gives me the strength to do it. Thanks be to God. Right? Yet on the other side, there's a temptation to go back to what St. Peter says and say, well, but you know what? It's all going to burn anyway. (laughs) So what's the point? And that's the battle. That's the battle between one extreme and the other. The extreme that is good that says, Amen, thanks be to God for Him shedding His blood for me so that I could live forever. And how can I show some sort of thanks for that with what I do? And the other extreme that says, Yeah, but you know what? Pastor said it's all going to burn anyway, so I'm just going to go have fun. But the thing is, is that it is all going to burn. That just like the temple in Jerusalem where Jesus says, that not one stone shall be left here upon another, and they'll all be thrown down. In the end, all of this will be wiped away. The stained glass, the walls, the bricks, all of it will be washed washed away. It will be burned up and replaced with something so much better. And until that day happens, the right response of the faithful 
is to say, how can we keep up these good things, these walls, these bricks, these things? How can we keep our pastor? Because you know what? This is how we get ready. This is how we prepare for that last day when the fire comes. How can we do what we need to do in faith, in response of faith, to make sure that we're prepared, that others are prepared, that when they come here and they are baptized, when they come here and they hear God's word, when they come here and they are fed the body and blood of Christ to strengthen their faith, that'll be a good thing. That Christ is doing his work to prepare us for that day. Because up until that day, we're going to face hardships. We're going to face trials. We're going to face wrath. We're going to face fire to prepare us. What can we do, not for our salvation, but in response of faith for what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ? That we should ask ourselves when we come here every Sunday, if not more often, right? Why am I not doing what I'm supposed to do? Why am I not paying attention to the sermon and the scriptures, right? Hopefully you're all paying attention right now, right? You ask yourself these things and you ask yourself, why am I not asking my, pest- why am I not asking my pastor to my home to bless it? Why am I not bringing my friends to church? And you may have the response, well, they already go to a church somewhere in town. To which my response, and I, hopefully it would be a well-received, is that elsewhere, they don't necessarily have the truth. But here they do. And if they're already a Christian... What's the, harm in bringing them up? What's the harm in bringing them by to hear God's word? To hopefully strengthen them in ways they don't get at other churches. To talk about baptism. To talk about Holy Communion as strengthening you for the battle. Fortifying you for the fire. So that when the fire comes, all that will burn away is simply that sin which clings to you now. So that joy is the only thing that's left. Ask yourself these things. Why am I not doing these things? And then repent. Turn away. Trust in God that he has saved you and gives you the strength to do the things you're supposed to do. To do the things he now calls you to do. Again, not out of obligation. But in joy. And in peace. So with this day, where we have all these texts about the end, we can be like the apostles in asking in Matthew chapter 24, tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of in the end of the age. And we may have that question ourselves. 
How long do we have to wait? And we don't know. That's why every single day should be lived as if it's your last. Not to do what you would want to do, not to do what you would desire to do, but to have the mind of Christ and do what he desires. To say every single day that God grants me here is another day that I am blessed by his grace that I might be a blessing to others. And every single day might be that last day. Not just your last day when you might die, but the last day when Christ shall come again. We don't live that way nearly enough as we should. That someday Christ will come. He could come this moment. Are you ready? I pray that you are, especially since you have been prepared for Holy Communion by confessing your sins and by being absolved by God's grace. That now you would be even more prepared as we are about to partake of the body and blood of Christ, which now feeds you and strengthens your faith to get you ready. To strengthen you for that last day, so that you might strengthen others as well. And this takes courage. It takes courage to be generous with God's word, with God's grace, with his forgiveness. It takes courage to be generous with this because the end result with some people might be wrath. It might be hatred. It might be persecution. So it takes courage to take what God has given you, His grace, His mercy, His life, and bring it to others. It takes courage. But God grants that too. And Christians ought to take the risk of being rejected for the sake of Christ. For the sake of becoming the stranger. So God's blessings to you this day as you ponder the end that is to come. Knowing that for those who have faith in Christ, it will be a glorious day. And one that will be of surprise. Where you will be asking, Lord, when did we do all these things? When did we do all these great things you said that we did? And for him to say, you did it when you had faith. You did it when you trusted in me. When you believed what I said about me dying for your sins and granting you in um, granting you life everlasting. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.
Amen.